right, T, last story. This is another juicy one. Um, really interesting stuff happening with this UAW GM deal. Uh, so right now the auto industry and its workers are holding their breath because by the end of today, Friday, uh, UAW members will know if they have a four-year agreement with GM ratified or if they're going back to week seven of the picket line. And the conditions of this deal in the span of four years would create a pathway for temporary workers to get hired. It would give the union more control over how many temps GM can even hire in the first place. It would provide across-the-board wage increases. It would keep healthcare costs low and affordable. And uh, immediately, UAW workers would receive a bonus of $11,000, and temporary workers would get a bonus of $4,500. And the vote right now is looking pretty promising to pass. At the local level, uh, a lot of UAW chapters are at least 50% or more in agreement with this deal. So I think to a degree, either they're ready for the strike to end, uh, or this deal um, is actually meeting a lot of the requirements that they were wanting at the end of the strike. However, I'm not really bringing this up for the deal itself. There's one side of this agreement that I think is most indicative of the future of GM and the UAW, and that is a new committee that might help in the transition to new automotive technologies. So with this deal, there would be the creation of the National Committee on Advanced Technology, which would bring three reps from GM and three reps from UAW, respectively, to meet quarterly, addressing how sh- uh, how GM should roll out the implementation of technology like 3D printing, driverless taxi cars, battery electric vehicles at scale. And really, uh, the reasoning for this is that automotive technology in the future is going to cut out a lot of production needs. Uh, And without clear direction, it could leave a lot of workers displaced. So this committee is meant to make that transition less drastic and more thoughtful of workers' needs. Uh, There were some stats, something like um, the powerhouse of the car uh, on an electric car is like... It takes 80% less production and has 80% less parts than its fossil fuel-powered um, counterpart in a sure. regular car. So it, I think naturally there is going to be, to a degree, some job loss and some plant closure during this transition to uh, electric vehicles. However, I think there are also many new opportunities that can come up new technologies, new equipment, and that's exactly what uh, the NCAT would provide. So it would provide third-party training for employees so that they can adapt to new factory floor technology and new equipment. And uh, this is just totally necessary because according to Larry Burns, former GM VP of R&D, he said new electric cars will, quote, last longer, have half as many parts requiring less labor, fewer engineers, and fewer purchasing personnel, end quote. Yeah. So... You know, I think a positive outcome of this strike and these negotiations is that UAW is going to be more set up to adapt to potential changes to the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. And I think it's to GM's benefit to have the union at the table for those discussions um, because when the workers are better qualified... Uh, more educated on how to use the technology and obviously are retained, I think it just gives a boost of confidence to those workers. 
Um, they obviously would feel better about staying and working at GM if they feel like they're being given the opportunity to adapt to new styles of engineering and right. manufacturing and new cars in general. Um, and employee turnover is always expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the long run, I, I can't scientifically prove this, but I would think that in the long run, investing in education of your current personnel and keeping them around is going to be less costly to the company than getting rid of everyone and trying to find new people uh, to to make these new vehicles under new processes and with new equipment. What's interesting about all of this is that the market for electric vehicles right now is only at 2%. Yeah. It's pretty weak. And that's only going to be getting to an estimated 20% by 2030. So even in the span of another decade... Uh, the electric vehicle market is going to be larger, but it's not going to be the core of the automotive industry yet. At least that's the estimation. So um, I don't think we're going to see the big, scary job losses quite yet. Uh, And I also don't know if investing in the equipment and the uh, infrastructure to make this happen, the education to make it happen, Mm -hmm. is even worth it at this point because the market is so small for electric vehicles. However, I do see this potentially backfiring to a degree in that if there is more of a structure to train and adapt workers to this next generation of electric vehicles, it could provide more of an infrastructure for GM to train who they need, get rid of who they don't, and transition to electric vehicles faster and potentially speed up this idea that we're going to lose workers, we're going to lose whole plants, uh, in the name of cleaner vehicles and electric cars. So it's right. a it's a balancing act, right? Uh, electric vehicles are uh, popular and definitely part of this national let's go green conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's going to disproportionately impact these workers, um, then I think that's why we need committees like this to help make that transition smoother and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, quell some of those job losses as much as possible. Definitely. Any quick thoughts on this? Uh, I think anytime you can increase efficiencies, you're keeping up with what's going on in other places around the world. And so I think it's one of the things I've talked about with uh, Dan Alford from Arc Specialties is that when you increase efficiency, you keep jobs here uh, that could otherwise go elsewhere for cheaper labor. And so you have to keep up with the times. The way that America keeps up is innovation. It's not by reducing how much you pay your employees. And so uh, I think you got to keep up with the times. You got to move forward in terms of what is new and what is innovative. And um, I think that's the way to do it. Agreed. And then tagging onto that, how can you do that while at the same time respecting and transitioning the workforce that makes that innovation happen? Uh, I agree with you that I think you train the current workforce, not let all of them go and then rehire new people. Yeah. I mean, Personally, I feel like that would be the best investment and would reflect the best on the company. Yeah. Um, is it actually the most cost effective? I don't know. We'll have to do some research. Maybe we'll publish some market scale original research on that one. We'll have to see, buddy. <laughs> All right. I think that'll do it for today's episode of Business Casual. Thanks, everyone, for listening along. If you'd like, again, please give us a follow on uh, Twitter at BizCasualRadio. We'll be tweeting from there. More stories, more updates. 
Tyler, I know you've got some more fun radio coming up here. What should our listeners stay tuned for here in the next couple of minutes? Maverick of Marketing on Monday, but coming up next is a, a brand new show that we're releasing called I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. It's on the healthcare industry. It's called I Don't Care because Kevin is not a physician. He's hmm. someone who's deeply involved in the industry, though, and so he has a lot of insight. So stay tuned for the first episode of I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson coming up next. going to be good. All right, I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, voice of B2B. I'm your other host, Tyler Kern. We'll see you on Wednesday. Adios. Adios.